0: That was a wonderful time of worship, appreciate the singing of the Majesty, and glad to have the opportunity of sharing with you today. About two weeks ago when I was asked to speak in chapel, I started thinking about the message that I should bring on this occasion, and I decided on one message, at least I thought that's what I was going to preach on, and I began to think about that message for two reasons. First, I had heard that in Chapel a couple weeks ago, Dave Maddox mentioned that many people on campus seemed to be struggling with a particular problem. And then secondly, I realized that it wouldn't take me a lot of time to prepare to speak on that particular problem. And so I had pretty well concluded that I would speak to you on that problem But then I happened to be with four people from the Master's College, three students and one resident director, and one of them asked me, what are you going to speak on on Monday in chapel? And I told them, and then I got a response from those four people. One of them suggested one topic, and the three others suggested that I should speak on another topic. And when they suggested that I should speak on... The other topic, I said, well, I don't think I'll do that because, really, it would take more time than I have in chapel to cover the subject. But then I began to reflect on what they said, and I remembered that in the last couple of weeks, since the beginning of this semester, I've had several students come to me to talk to me about that particular problem. So after some prayer and reflection, I changed my direction and I decided to listen to those three students and share with you a message on the issue that they suggested. Well, maybe by this time you're saying, well, stop fooling around and tell us what you're going to talk about. (laughs) Well, hold on, because that's what I'm about to do. I want to talk to you today about how to make wise decisions or how to know the will of God. I believe that A wise decision is a decision that is in keeping with the will of God. And so today I want to talk to you about making wise decisions because you're going to be making decisions throughout the rest of your life. You're making decisions right now. Now to put what I'm going to say in biblical perspective, I want to direct your attention to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 where the Scripture says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now in verse 15, Paul says, Be careful how you walk. Don't be careless about the way you live, about the way you behave, about how you walk and what you do. And then in the remainder of that Verse 15, he gives us a little bit more information on what it means to be careful about how we live or walk or what we do. He says, don't walk as unwise men, but walk as wise men. As you go through life, make sure that you're not walking unwisely, but wisely. And then in verses 16 and 17, he gives us some more information. He tells us what it means to walk unwisely and then what it means to walk wisely. In this context, walking unwisely means that you're not making the most of your time. The word time here may refer to chronological time, hours, minutes, days, weeks. It reminds us of what the psalmist said in Psalm 90, So teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom that we might use the time that you've given to us wisely. But there's another way in which this Greek word for time is used. It's translated in some translations by the word opportunity. And what God may be saying here is, make the most of your opportunities. It really doesn't make a whole lot of difference whether you take in terms of chronological time or in terms of opportunities. The point is, is that God has given you a certain amount of time and God has given you a certain amount of opportunities and He wants you to make the best use of that time and the best use of that op- those opportunities. Now, how do you do that? Well, verse 17 tells us what's involved. He says, So then, do not be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The best way to make the best use of your time... And to make the best use of your opportunity is to understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, there are a lot of ways in which we could define success and failure. But one way that we could define success and failure in keeping with this text is that a failure is a person who's not making the most of his time or of his opportunities. A failure is a person who doesn't understand and doesn't do what the will of God is. Or another way of putting it, a failure is a person who makes one bad decision after another. That's a failure. A person who makes one bad decision after another. On the other hand, what is a success? A successful person is a person who makes the best use of his time who makes the best use of his opportunities. And to do that, he needs to understand what the will of the Lord is. So there's a sense in which we could say that a successful person is a person who makes one wise decision after another. You put a string of wise decisions together and you've got a successful person. Now, what I want to share with you in the remainder of my time this morning is some biblical... Directives for making the best use of your time, making wise decisions, or understanding what the will of the Lord is. I can't possibly share with you all of the biblical guidelines on this subject, but I will share a few. And here's guideline number one. To make wise decisions, which will help you to make the most of your time and the most of the opportunities you have, You must make your decisions in accordance with your main purpose for living. You know, some time ago I read a book on management in which the author said that every business must be clear about the purpose for which it exists. Every business must understand the driving force of that business. Those are the words the author used. The driving force. What drives that business? A business has to decide if it's going to be a product-centered business or a research and development-centered business or a marketing needs business or a service-oriented business. And the author said they need to make all of their decisions in the light of whether or not that decision will fulfill their driving force. Well, what these men thought was important in the realm of business, the Bible indicates is important in life as individual Christians. We must be clear about what our driving force is. It's got to be out there before us all the time. What is our main goal? What is our main purpose in life? When life is all over and we look back, what will we want to have accomplished? Well, according to the Bible... God has made all things to bring glory, to bring honor to Him. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. The firmament is showing forth His handiwork. And God has made us as human beings to bring honor and glory to Him. Revelation 4 and verse 11 says that He is worthy to receive honor and glory, dominion and power. For His pleasure we were and are created. You know, the Bible indicates that even the purpose of our redemption is not merely to keep us out of hell. It's not merely to make us happy. According to Ephesians chapter 1, where we have that great passage on redemption, which began in eternity past and will continue in eternity future, the great purpose of redemption, it's stated three times in the first 11 verses, it is that we might be to the praise of His glory. God saves us so that we might bring glory and praise to His name. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 42 and verse 5, we read, Thus says the God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. God says that I deserve to be glorified. I deserve honor. And back in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 4 and verses 23 and 24, the Bible says God is jealous for His glory. And He punishes people who will not give the glory to Him. In Romans 1, we have a terrible indictment on the human race, namely that all around us, the heavens, the created matter, is demonstrating God's invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature. These things are clearly seen so that when men do not fall down and worship God, when men do not obey God, they are without excuse. And that's the terrible problem for... 21 For even though they knew God, plenty of evidence of the existence of God and even of some of His attributes of wisdom and power. Even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Instead of glorifying God, they glorified the creatures, the creatures around them and themselves. And you'll remember in the book of Acts chapter 12, a man by the name of Herod stood up and he preached and he was eloquent and the people hung on his every word. Uh, They were moved by what he had to say and they began to worship him as a god. And Herod, instead of acknowledging that whatever gifts he had had uh, had come from God, he took the glory to himself. And the Bible says that God smote him with a horrible disease. And very quickly he fell down and died. Why? Well, the Scripture indicates he God did that because he didn't give glory to God, but took it to himself. Now, if God did to all of us who don't give him the glory what he did with Herod, we'd have a lot of funerals every day. But you have one example there of how seriously God takes this matter of not really honoring and glorifying him. And what I'm saying is, at its foundation, this matter of making wise decisions begins with asking the question, Will the decision that I'm about to make bring honor and glory to God? Every decision you make, every decision I make, should be made in the light of that question. And I know that in my own life, that there are a lot of things that, as I look back now, I would not have done if I had simply asked that question. I wasn't mainly concerned about God's glory Maybe I was concerned about pleasing somebody else. Maybe I was concerned about impressing somebody else. Maybe I was concerned about my own feelings, my own desires, my own wants. But the driving force in my life at that moment was not, will this bring honor and glory to God? And so I suggest to you that if you want to make wise decisions, you need to ask the question, will this decision Help me to fulfill my main purpose in life, namely to bring glory to God. You know, one way of looking at the essence of sin is given to us in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, where the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, there's one way of looking at that verse that interprets it as saying that sin consists in coming short of the glory of God. It consists in bringing glory or turning in on ourselves, glorifying ourselves rather than God. That's sin. When I am more concerned about exalting myself, when I become the center of my universe, when I'm more concerned about exalting myself than I am about exalting God. So... Guideline number one is make all of your decisions in accordance with your main purpose for life. Develop the habit, the pattern of doing that. Asking yourself, will this help me to fulfill my main goal in life? Secondly, to make wise decisions, you must make those decisions in accordance with biblical values. The decisions that you make should be vitally related to the values that you hold. The choices you make should be run through the screen or the grid of your values. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13, Paul says, I believe, therefore I speak. The reason I speak as I do is because I believe what I believe. It's because I'm convinced of these things that I talk the way that I talk. My speech is in keeping with my beliefs. In James 2, verses 14, 17 and 18, James says, Faith without works is dead. And he says that we must realize that as the body is dead without the spirit, so faith without works is dead. And so, if we really believe something, if we're really committed to certain things as our values, James says it's got to influence the way we behave and the way that we live. Now, back in the Old Testament, we have the account of Abraham who made a very unwise decision in Genesis chapter 12. They're down there in Egypt. Pharaoh is not the nicest guy in the world. Abraham is afraid, and so he makes a decision to have his wife lie about her true identity. He tells her to tell Pharaoh that she is his sister rather than his wife. Now, why did Abraham make that decision? He made that decision to encourage Sarah to lie, because at that point, what Abraham was valuing was not the pleasure of God. It was not the glory of God. At that point, what Abraham was valuing was his own life, his own safety. If he was making that decision according to his values, he would have done otherwise. In Daniel chapter 3, we have the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were being interrogated by Uh, the king of Babylon. And you remember the story of the image and how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down. And as a result of that, they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Now, why did they stand at that point? Why did they make the decision not to bow? Why did they make the decision to stand up for their convictions? It was because... They were making that decision in accordance with their values. They said they valued God's pleasure, serving God, honoring God more than anything else. And as a result of that, they made the decision that was pleasing to God rather than pleasing to the king. And you remember in Acts chapter 5, where Peter and John have been called before the Sanhedrin. And they have been warned that they should never again speak in the name of... Of the Lord Jesus Christ again they were threatened that if they did so they were in trouble but Peter and John said uh, we've heard what you said but we can't help but speak the things which they we have seen and the things which they have we have heard now why did they make that decision because they were making that decision in accordance with their value in Philippians 1 and verse 12 the Apostle Paul is in jail His life may very well be in danger. And yet at that point, instead of being all upset and depressed and discouraged and anxious and bitter and resentful, the Apostle Paul is concerned about encouraging other people. And he says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Don't be upset. Don't be discouraged. All is well. Now, why did he make that kind of decision? Why was he influenced in that way? Well, it was because what Paul valued was the pleasure of God. And as you read in Ephesians 4, he does not call himself a prisoner of Rome. He calls himself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew he was there because Jesus wanted him to be there. And since his main purpose in life was to honor and glorify God, He made a decision not to respond to it with discouragement, depression, anxiety, fear, anger, and bitterness, but rather in such a way that he looked around him for opportunities to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And he made great benefit. He made the most of that opportunity because of his values. Now what I'm saying is that the values you hold should influence the choices that you make. And this is why it's so important for you to make sure that your values are really biblical. This is why it's so necessary for you to be consciously, not somewhere in the back of your mind, but consciously, day by day, moment by moment, committed to making decisions in the light of whether or not they are in keeping with your biblical values. Now, what are some of the biblical values? That ought to guide us as we make decisions. Well, one of them is the matter of personal growth. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, Peter said, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as I make decisions about the use of my time or about even accepting opportunities, I've got to ask myself, will this use of my time or this use of this opportunity hinder me in my own personal growth before God? Will it keep me from spending that time with the Lord, which is absolutely essential if I'm going to grow in the Lord? Another of our values is godliness, Christian character, integrity, honesty, contentment, peace, love, mercy, holiness, godliness, kindness, goodness, gentleness. These are Christian character traits. And as I make decisions, I ought to be asking the question, is this decision in keeping with my Christian character? Will this help me to develop these Christian character traits that God wants to be found in my life? If it will hinder me in developing these Christian character traits, then it's off limits. The decision is already made. If I'm making the decision in accordance with my values it'll keep me from going some places it'll keep me from doing some things it'll keep me from spending too much time with certain kinds of people if i know that they hinder me in that particular matter another value is worship in john chapter 4 the bible says that god the father is seeking worshipers in psalm 95 the psalmist says oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker And so as I make decisions about the use of my time or the acceptance of opportunities, I need to ask myself the question as to whether or not this is going to hinder me in my worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it hinders my worship times, then the decision is already made. Another value is fellowship. The Bible insists that we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together with the brethren. And as I make decisions, I need to ask myself the question, will this hinder me in my fellowship with the brethren? I need that, and they need it from me. And if something that I do or the use of my time, I'm so busy that I don't have time to spend with other people, to encourage them and to have them minister to me, the Bible would indicate that I have made a bad decision. Another value is obedience to God's Word and to fulfill God's Word. Will this hinder me in doing what God wants me to do? Luke 11.25 says, Blessed are they who hear the Word of God and do it. And back in First Samuel, the Bible says, To obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Another value is ministry. Jesus said that He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. And we are to encourage one another. We're to minister. We're to serve other people. Philippians 2 says we're to have the mind of Christ. And in that context, it talks about esteeming others better than yourself. Now, when the Bible talks about esteeming others better than yourself, it doesn't mean that if somebody has a worse voice than yours, you say they have a better voice than you have. It doesn't mean that if you're really more intelligent than someone else, you say, well, they're more intelligent than I am. It doesn't mean if you have certain gifts and they don't, you say they're more gifted than you are in those areas. No, in the context, what he's talking about in terms of esteeming others is being like Christ who had a servant spirit. He, though he existed in the form of God and it was not robbery for him to be equal with God, he wasn't taking something that didn't belong to him because he was God. And yet even though he was God, he emptied himself, he humbled himself, and He came for the purpose of service. And esteeming others means that I'll be devoted to serving other people. And if in making a certain decision about the use of my time or opportunities that hinders me in ministering to other people, I'm making a decision that is out of keeping with the values that a Christian ought to have. Another is evangelism. Will it hinder me in my witness to others for the Lord Jesus? Another is good interpersonal relationships. The Bible says in Hebrews that we are to pursue holiness and peace with all men, without which no man will see the Lord. And what the Bible is saying is if you're not pursuing holiness, and if you're not pursuing peace with all men, you'll never see the Lord. One of the characteristics of a true child of God is that he wants to have peace with other people. You know, sometimes Colossians 3 and verse 15 is misused in this regard of decision making it says in Colossians 3:15 let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which indeed you were called in one body and be ye thankful and some people have the idea that what Paul is saying in Colossians 3 and verse 15 is that when you make a decision you should want to have peace in your heart let the peace act as an umpire is the way some put it and if you don't have peace about a certain issue then don't do it But if you have peace in your heart about a certain issue, then it's okay. And so the determining factor in terms of what you do or what you don't do is internal. It's what you have in terms of peace. But that's not what Paul's talking about in that verse. He's talking about interpersonal relationships. And he's saying that I should let peace. Look at the context. He's saying that if what you're doing offends is a stumbling block to others, then even if it is legitimate for you, don't do it. Watch out how you treat other people. Watch how you talk to them. Watch how you relate to them. In the preceding verses, He's talked about forgiving one another. He's talked about forbearing one another. He's talked about gentleness. He's talked about humbleness. He's talked about kindness. And on the heels of that, he says that we should, above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Unity where? Unity among God's people. And right on the heels of that, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called, and be thankful, and you were called in one body. And so the point is that if I value good interpersonal relationship, if I value peace with other people, That will influence me concerning the words which I speak, concerning the way it is my time, concerning uh, the opportunities that I accept or don't accept. Well, another value is stewardship of possessions. I'm a steward. Everything I have comes from God. And one day I'm going to give account to God concerning the use of my time, the use of my talents, the use of my possessions, all of these things. None of them are my own. They all belong to God. And I'm accountable to God. And so as I look at my talents, this even helps me in terms of deciding on which career I should follow. Lord, I'm yours. My talents are yours. How do you want me? What's the best way that I can use my talents for your honor and for your glory and for the service of people? Uh, that will influence the way I use my time. I'm, I'm a steward. My, my pocketbook. My checkbook. I mean, it belongs to God. And so as I use these things... I need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want me to use my time? How do you want me to use my possessions? How do you want me to use my talents and my abilities? Now, one other one, we could go on with many others, but I want to mention one other one. Namely, uh, that we should be governed in making our decisions by the value of family. Society must first begin at home. And so... Yeah, I'm concerned about serving other people, but my first responsibility is to my own family. And God says, if a man does not provide for his own household, for his own family, he's denied the faith, and he's worse than an infidel. And so, if making a decision will hinder my relationship with my family, my service to my family, being the kind of person that God wants me to be, Uh, then I won't make that particular decision. You know, back in the book of Proverbs, there are a number of verses that begin with the word better. And if you look at those verses, what God is saying, that these are the things you ought to value, and they ought to guide you in terms of making choices. In Proverbs, the 15th chapter, and verse 16, the Bible says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. You know, if you're faced with a situation where you have an opportunity to make a lot of money, really get ahead in life, or if you don't make that uh, particular choice, you'll just have a little. God says it's better to have a little with the fear of the Lord, out of respect for God, being what God wants you to be, than it is to have great treasure And turmoil with it. The next verse says, better is a dish of vegetables where love is and a fat ox and hatred with it. Same point is being made. Over in Proverbs 16 and verse 8, the Bible says, better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. It's better to be righteous and be a poor man and struggle all your life in terms of paying your bills and having enough than it is to have great income if you gain that income in an unjust way. A little bit later on in that same chapter, Proverbs 16 and verse 16, the Bible says how much better it is to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is it is to be chosen above silver. I was talking to uh, someone here uh, on the campus recently and they they told me that they had an opportunity to get ahead in terms of uh, a business and that... Ultimately, they were being encouraged that they could be a millionaire by the time they were 30 or in their mid-30s. And that person said that um, uh, they decided to come here, the Master's College, and the person who was offering them that opportunity said uh, that, uh, you know, that's it. You're, You're making that decision, and it's unlikely that they'll ever have that opportunity again. But they were following the counsel of Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 16 in that it's better to get wisdom. And that's not just talking about earthly wisdom, but the wisdom of God. To spend time with the Lord, to search His Scriptures, to be with godly people, to be instructed in the Scriptures. That's more valuable than it is to have much silver. One other verse here, there are many others, but let me point you to Proverbs 22 and verse 1, which says that a good name is to be more desired than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. And what it's talking about there is your reputation. Now, you shouldn't be primarily concerned about what people think. But if you're ever going to influence people and be a testimony for Christ, you've got to have a good name. And that's why one of the first qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3 for elders is that he must be above reproach. That people must be able to look at that person's life and respect that person. Some time ago, I came across an article, actually it was a Newsweek magazine, and it was related to what I'm talking about here. The title of the article is, Not All Bridges Can Be Burned. And this woman says, When I was younger, I thought my past didn't mean anything. I thought things left undone, things said in haste, niceties ignored, birthdays forgotten weren't important. I was a good person. Forgetful, overcommitted, but not nasty or intentionally mean-spirited. Just self-involved and inexcusable. I thought time cured all of these things and covered them up so that they no longer existed. They were just, as the song says, long time passing. I used to laugh about my mother telling me that will go on your permanent record. I thought I had no permanent record. I was young and had a long, full lifetime in which to make mistakes and explore endless possibilities. I meandered around for a while with drugs, played the hippie. I won't tell you how many times I've been married, but it's more than the prerequisite American number of two. Never was there a moment's concern about the possibility of these events coming back to haunt me, because there was no later just now. One day I looked around and I was 40. The next day I looked and I was 45. I looked ahead and I can see... 50. Today I have a daughter of my own. I find myself weary of telling her about the dangers of foolish living based upon my personal experience. Sometimes I hold my breath when I have to put down a name on a reference list. Worrying what that person may know about me, may think about me, may say about me. That comes from foolish living. I used to have the attitude that I didn't care what other people thought about me. It was my life and I was going to live it. No one and no thing was going to dictate what I should be. Doing or saying, or how I ought to conduct myself. Life wasn't precious. It was a commodity, a vehicle, a thoughtless roaming. And she goes on with more of the same. And at the end of the article, she says, So your life history is your permanent record. You can't shake it. Now, thank God through the blood of Christ and through His forgiveness, there is forgiveness. But even though there's forgiveness... Many times the things that we do and the choices that we make when we're young and on through life have their continuing consequences. And in my counseling ministry, I've seen that again and again. And people have said, oh, I wish I could go back to college and do it over again. And you've heard that. And you say, oh, yeah, I hear that. But it's still true. And I admonish you now to think about that. She goes on to say, You may be able to redeem it with great effort, but given my druthers, I would rather have written my permanent record with forethought and careful planning and skipped the world's would-haves, could-haves, and should-haves. You really can't burn your bridges. They are there even if you change your name and move to a new address, even if you claim you never knew you. Yes, true success is found in making one wise decision after another. Now, there are a lot of other things which are involved in making wise decisions. The Bible gives all kinds of guidelines, but here are at least two. As you make decisions, make them in keeping with your main purpose for living. Do the decisions you make really reflect that your main purpose in life is to bring honor and glory to God? And secondly, make your decisions in terms of whether or not They are in keeping with the values that you as a Christian say you believe. The values you say are important to you. And if you will ask those questions and take those things seriously, it will go a long way in helping you to do exactly what Paul says we must do to make the best use of our time and our opportunities to understand what the will of the Lord is. May God challenge us in this area of making decisions and knowing how to understand and do the will of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to reflect on this important subject. And Lord, we can say these things are impractical, but they're dead right practical. They're right at the foundation, Father. And it's these things that we often forget. We don't live to your glory. We don't make decisions on the basis of whether or not it would honor you. We don't think about the values we hold and how the decisions we make really reflect or don't reflect those values. And so we ask for forgiveness for we've sinned when we don't do that. And we pray that your spirit might so work in us that we might be a people who really are careful about how we walk. That we would walk not as unwise, but as wise. That we would make the best use of our time. And that we would not be foolish, but understand and do the will of God. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.